Welcome to Listen to Talking with Trees, a podcast by Anetta Lander, which is a series of attempts at addressing specific trees in Swedish, Finnish or English. This is a freestanding sequel to the project Meetings with Remarkable and Unremarkable Trees. This episode is part of Pondering with a Pine, a series of conversations recorded with a pine tree in Kaivopuisto Park in Helsinki. Hello, Pine. You're looking good today. It's the last day of March, and it's supposed to be spring, but there is a lot of snow. Uh, there was a real... Uh, a few days of snowstorm, not so long ago. And now it will take time before all this melts, even though the sun is doing its best. And the days are longer and longer, and, and it's light and beautiful. And I guess you like that. I like it too, even though I can't transform uh, that uh, energy of the sun directly into food, as you can, but yeah. I was listening to a real podcast yesterday. Uh, by accident or not by accident, but I happened to listen to uh, an episode in the podcast uh, Networking with Plants in the Anthropocene. That's what it's called, I guess. And there, Paul Moss uh, was the guest. And he's the director of the Plant Initiative, uh, which uh, I've signed up. Uh, for so I get their newsletter or something like that and it was quite an interesting uh, talk or he was um, he really knew what he was talking about uh, when uh, propagating increased respect for plants and I also realized that um, before I go into the topics that we discussed that our conversations are really uh, quite absurd from the perspective of a sort of normal podcast. Uh, because uh, if I would be, or if, like I am the host, then uh, usually the guests are always new ones. Uh, but you, I come to you every time, so you are always the same guest. And on the other hand, the guest is the one uh, providing the content and doing most of the talking and the host is simply interviewing the guest and of course my idea was that I would do that with you that you you would be sort of the main person here but because you're so silent and I'm so impatient the result is that I keep talking so this is a very absurd podcast in that sense. But maybe in the future there will be uh, possibilities uh, for us to translate pine language or yeah, something like that. Uh, if there is artificial intelligence translating between human languages and, and making text-to-speech and speech-to-text and so on. Why not, uh, 
why not uh, translate pines too? Although, of course, they've done that quite a lot uh, with a lot of plants and, and also pine trees. I remember um, many years ago there was an exposition by uh, Markus Meder, or however you pronounce his name, who translated the, um, the vital data of humidity of a pine, if I remember correctly, uh, into some sort of music or sound to, to make explicit how the pine tree was suffering from drought. And of course, there is the Harvard University witness tree. I'd love to make one like that in Finland too, with some biologists who could um, explain uh, which kind of signs I should look at to know how you feel. But right now, even though I might be totally mistaken, I think you look good. And perhaps that's partly because I expect you to be somehow happy when the light returns. Otherwise, uh, thinking of uh, the topics they discussed in the pod, uh, or the topics that Paul Moss brought up. Uh, one of them was exactly this uh, um, relationship with, with, on the one hand, uh, gardening practices, and on the other hand, uh, enjoying plants as they are, where they are. And of course, in some sense, gardening is the ultimate performing with plants, because it's really collaborating with plants in the best case. In worst case, it's horrible slavery and, and uh, extraction, of course. But, uh, but this idea of uh, sort of visiting a plant where, where it has chosen to grow, that I could very much uh, relate to, because that's what I've been doing. Although I feel like it would be great to be able to do some gardening, because that's a way of learning about plants. He also spoke about, uh, because he had a background in, in agricultural studies somehow, he also spoke of the necessarily, necessary changes that we should implement in, in the different types of agribusiness that's going on. That, and those changes, he made a distinction between two kinds of changes of increasing respect for plants. So on the one hand, there are many types of changes that could be made that would be good for the plants and we good for the people and good for the soil and for the whole ecosystem and for sustainability and so on. So it would be a mutually win-win situation with less pesticides, less uh, fertilizers and, and less uh, monocultures and so on. But on the other hand, he also recognized that, that there are changes that need to be made that are not only beneficial for humans. I mean, uh, curbing overconsumption is certainly good for, for uh, uh, in Western societies, but there are societies that, that still are malnourished and so on. And uh, people don't like to let go of the profits they're making, of course, and so on. 
but he also mentioned the important importance of learning from indigenous cultures and their much more horizontal relationship to plants uh, and uh, animals and rocks and rivers and all kinds of uh, elements in nature that are family in a different way and not our uh, Western hierarchy with uh, humans at the top, below the angels maybe, and then rocks at the bottom and plants very close to them. So this sort of, the closer you are to the human faculties, the higher up, in the hierarchy you come, which is of course a total mistake because you can have all kinds of specific talents. I'm just thinking of your capacity of photosynthesis or, or growing as, as tall as you grow and, and standing here in the snowstorms. Standing here, by the way, this idea of, of uh, uh, agribusiness on one hand and, uh, or agriculture or, or gardening, and on the other hand, uh, growing in the wild, or, or even if not in the wild, then where you please. And of course, parks are a strange mixture, because uh, you are not here on a plantation, and you can expect to be here uh, in peace and not be harvested. I mean, in the forestry plantations where your relatives grow in rows, or more or less in rows, uh, you would already have been harvested many, many years ago. So there, uh, the boundaries are not allowed to, to live uh, to their old age, but are actually harvested sometimes before middle age. But then on the other hand, you're very strictly somehow, in some sense, restricted from communication here. Of course, uh, I remember seeing a squirrel here and there are birds and insects and, and probably your roots can find contact with mycorrhiza and, and fungi and uh, maybe contact with uh, relatives, other pines, there are a few, but they're, they're quite far away. So in some sense, you're uh, rather isolated Nevertheless, not in the sense of uh, flowers in pots or, or uh, like animals in zoos, no. But, but you're, uh, you're somehow not in, a, uh, not in a naturally evolving ecosystem. But I don't know actually if you prefer this because, of course, uh, you have sort of, uh, you can grow here in peace and uh, not be bothered with much competition um, for light, for instance, and so on. So perhaps it's nice. Perhaps it's, uh, it would be great if parks would be places for pleasure for you too, and not only for humans. I always think that they're designed for human pleasure, but, but if they would be like... Uh, I say pleasure gardens for trees as well that would be great and at least you're not cut into forms here this is not a formal garden 
I actually wonder if you're planted here. I guess it might be that you've, you've grown here on your own and then people maintaining the park have decided that all right there is this beautiful young pine let it grow there and and then you're you're here i don't know uh, what else uh, should i take up well paul moss also spoke about weeds and um and that's, of course, a rather popular theme, this idea of um, weeds as uh, um, providing examples of resistance uh, against the human need for control. Uh, last week, I was participating in a beautiful uh, little symposium in Würzburg, in the botanical garden, of Würzburg in southern Germany, uh, organized by, by the University of Würzburg. And it was called Approaching Plants. Uh, and it was like a multidisciplinary encounter uh, with artists and ethnographers and many type of uh, people interested in plants. And there uh, I met a colleague from Finland uh, Kalle Ham, who, who, uh, who I've met him before, who is uh, working very much with plants and especially weeds. He has his band of weeds, which is a weed orchestra, where he uses the electric signals from plants uh, as material for creating electronic or, well, some kind of synthetic sound music which is quite interesting. But he also spoke about preferring to, to record material from plants uh, that grow in the wild instead of um, sort of causing unnecessary suffering by transporting them to a stage as they did first and so on. Well, um, if we think of sort of respect and ethical guidelines for working with plants. Um, of course, it's the minimum not to cause unnecessary suffering. I'm very much aware that we depend on you and your kin for our food and, and uh, for paper and for uh, houses and furniture and many, many, many things, but, but unnecessary suffering. But of course, if we think of some sort of respectful relationships, that's somehow the minimum, and, and the ideal would be some kind of reciprocity. And that's uh, where I have a long way to go. But uh, that I've been, uh, that we've been talking about before, and I haven't uh, solved the problem yet, so I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to me again and have a really nice uh, beginning of April here in the sun. So see you soon again. Take care. This was an episode of the podcast Talking with Trees.